0: That's chumbacasino.com.
4: No purchase necessary. BGW. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free Free shows and movies to love every week. Say "free" this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
5: What's Jeffrey, my Epstein's? Oh boy, Sophie.
3: This is the topic that you was chose. a horrible
5: idea. This oh, is no. the
3: topic you chose. Oh, I should open that way. Sweet, 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 sweet. sweet Margaret Killjoy. This is behind this is the, the doc-
5: bastards. The podcast where Robert gets himself canceled with that introduction. Margaret this,
3: I can't I can't even you this is the topic <laughs> you chose for our dear friend Margaret Killjoy. It's kind of nice
5: people, right? It, this this is a nice one, kinda. Not really. Um <laughs> Margaret, you know you you are fr- you're 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 familiar with friend of the pod, Jeffrey Epstein, right? Uh I, I am aware of this person. Yeah, yeah. Um everybody is. Real bad How's guy. He doing? Um not great. Um not not very well. Although by some judgments better than ever because he's dead. Uh. Um that that might be my attitude towards how Jeffrey Epstein's doing. <laughs> um but a pretty bad guy, he's kind of become like shorthand for a specific kind of monster like a man who traffics women and children um and is like a fucking uh child sex trafficker to the rich and famous and powerful just like this embodiment of corruption. And mm-hmm. I'm here to tell you today, Margaret, I found a guy I think might be worse. Um, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow, this guy. Real, real piece of shit. Have you heard of Peter Nygard? I have not. Whew. Okay. Well, put on your...
3: Uh, I once again am saying, how could you do this to our <laughs> yeah. dear friend? I'm not Carter sure what Killjoy. you what you
5: put on. Strap on your anti-pedophile cream. Uh, uh, load up your anti-pedophile garment industry monster fashion demon hammer and get ready for an episode of behind the bastards just a nine mil i feel like yeah a nine nine millimeter might work out great okay i keep one in my desk in case anyone involved in the fashion industry comes to my house
3: i do i do sincerely look forward to the point where i get to show margaret a picture
5: Mm, yeah this guy looks incredible I almost brought our good friend uh, Tom Ryman onto the podcast, who we had on for our episodes on right-wing media grifters, just to react to this man's appearance and then leave, but I decided (laughs) not. Um, Pekka Juhani Nygard was born in Helsinki, Finland, on July 24th, 1941. Uh, His mother and his father ran a bakery, or maybe it was just his dad. Sources I found are a little bit unclear. Now, you might guess by the year that this was not the easiest period in history to be a Finn. Mm-hmm. Um, some real, the late 30s, early 40s, real rough years for the Finnish people. Rough yeah. years for a lot of people in that region, to be fair. not they just made the some Fins. good
6: decisions and some bad decisions in rapid succession. Yeah.
5: It was a complicated time. No one was going to handle it perfectly. Um, and after the war, his family were like, maybe this chunk of Europe's not the best place to raise a child. I don't okay. know. I don't know if I don't know if the bad stuff is done happening over here, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so they moved to Winnipeg, Canada, where they lived in, they get hired by a bakery, and the bakery kind of moves them in to some land that it owns, mm-hmm. which means that they take up residence in a 15-foot by 13-foot converted coal bin. Um, so that's it's like also not a great place to raise a family. Not a great place to raise a family. Although, if you've just lived through several both the invasion of finland by russia and then world war ii you might be like a colbin where nobody's shooting at us sounds yeah, okay. dope <laughs> yeah let's get the fuck out of finland probably so, would stop some bullets depending on it probably wouldn't there's a good chance that was on their mind how thick yeah. is this colbin oh yeah no absolutely <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so they lived there for a little while peter was about um or pekka at this point was eight or nine years old maybe 11 when he moved again sources are kind of unclear and it's not entirely clear to me if he was born at a time when everybody who got born in finland got up an accurate birth certificate, right? Mm -hmm. Like the forties, you still are kind of in that, that period. Um, now since Finnish names are simply unacceptable in English speaking nations, he began going by Peter instead of Pekka and substituted the Juhani for a J. Um, Now, we have a lot less detail about his early life than I would prefer, and because he becomes basically a billionaire, Peter was successful for many years in limiting the scope of inquiry that reporters could could delve into his past. I did find a write-up on CelebFamily.com, which is a clearly credible source, by someone I think was either Peter Nygaard or someone he had paid to write it, (laughs) Um, and that source notes, quote, Peter Nygaard credits his vast success to three things. Genetics, his Finnish roots, and perseverance. He is immensely grateful to his parents for having emigrated to Canada. He remembers never having to go without the basic necessities, even though money was often scarce in his household. And I think actually this is probably more just based on some things he paid other people to write on other websites, and then okay. it gets it winds up getting filtered to these kind of clickbait sites after some stories break about him. But whatever, about how good um, of a person he is, about how good of a person he. Is. Well, yeah, that's early on, yes. Um, so oh, his dear. mother and his father opened their own bakery soon after arriving in Canada. Um, they move out of the coal bin pretty quick. So, okay. so they're okay. doing good. They're doing good. Uh, they wind up in the big city, uh, which is Winnipeg. So not really a big city. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, a moderately large town birthplace of Winnie the Pooh. Um, oh, wait, really? he was imme- yeah, Winnipeg. That's, where, that well, that's why he's name? Winnie. Yeah. Is this your one lie? It might be. Oh, crap. <laughs> There's no way to know. It's impossible to say. Um but yes, the city where Winnie the Pooh lived briefly before going to die on the western front. Look it up. Uh, okay. Um uh-huh. you, you you'd be surprised at how accurate that one is. Um So yeah, uh they open a bakery and uh they uh, things go well, you know. They wind up kind of It's kind of hard for me to tell exactly, but I would probably say upper middle class-ish, or maybe at least solidly middle class, right? They're doing okay. fairly well. Um, and yeah, they, they seem to have a lot of gratitude to their adopted new home country. Once Peter gets rich, his mom's going to use some of his money to create a park in Winnipeg in their father's armor, honor, where the mm-hmm. coal bin homestead they'd lived on is featured. Uh, I don't know that they keep that coal bin around anymore after the <laughs> stuff that happens in this story, but now, again... Peter becomes almost a billionaire, close enough that mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter all that much. The internet winds up littered with all these weird little websites that he paid to create and have someone write nice things about him on. There's like a bunch of websites he makes. We'll be talking about this more in part two, because it's part of a a kind of rich guy battle he winds up in. And in I mean, you of could these, do this for like $10,000. I bet over $10,000. It doesn't take that could, much, right? You get some
6: people in other countries to write some nice stuff about you. Yeah, use like a a task
5: rabbit style app yeah. to get yeah yeah. Um, no, it's not a bad idea, right, Margaret? We could, we could, we could at least take down one enemy. I feel like if we if we wrangled together six to eight writers, mm-hmm. yeah, that could be the end. That could be the end of of Will Wheaton of Winnie um, the Pooh. Oh. Oh sure, uh, in, so in one of these uh, these random little websites about him, uh, which was titled the real Peter dot I found this claim. That's a uh, really again incredibly, honest, incredibly credible. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, it wouldn't say real if it wasn't Margaret. Yeah. yeah, it's like being a cop. You're not allowed to lie about that. No, absolutely not. So, quote, Peter excelled at school and received recognition and awards for both academics and athletics during his secondary school years. He constantly contributed money to assist his family through varied and multiple jobs, He conclu- and he concluded his high school years as the most accomplished student in the graduating class. Peter was later asked by the school to return and deliver a speech to the graduating class. This speech provides a roadmap to his success in business and life and was still being quoted 50 years later. Now, I haven't found a copy of this speech, Margaret. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't know that it's still being quoted 50 years later, unless it's <laughs> by people Peter Nygard paid to write articles about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, there, th- th- there you go. That's his claims about this period. We know that he goes to the United States, you know, basically as soon as he graduates high school. Um, and he graduates from the university of North Dakota a couple of years later with a business degree. This is in 1964 when he is 23 years old. Okay. He would go on to praise one of his professors, Tom Clifford, as a mentor. Now, Tom Roundup went up running the college, and he seems. to... I found like a his you like obituaries and stuff, um, which obviously aren't unbiased, but the obituaries make him look like a decent guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he killed a Japanese soldier during World War II with a shovel, but that's you know that it's happens. War. Yeah. Um, also, pretty rad. I gotta get anyone who kills a man with a shovel. That's pretty badass. You yeah. Gotta, Yeah, not boring. um, Not boring. Um, He was also uh, apparently pushed for more recognition of indigenous people on campus, which is nice. Um, There's only one detail from the obituary that gives us maybe some insight into what Nygard saw in him. Quote, in the preface to Good Medicine, a two thousand three account of intrigue behind the creation of the four year medical school, he created a medical school at the University of North okay. Dakota. Clifford told how we cut corners sometimes at blinding speed and got around red tape in many cases by simply ignoring it. Right. So okay. Clifford, Clifford is kind of in education, and again, I haven't really run into terrible criticisms of this guy, but he's he's Peter's mentor, and he's a big if you got to cut corners, cut them kind of mm-hmm. guy, right? Um, so that might that might have an impact on the man that Peter becomes a little bit later. Right, corners like getting consent from your workers and consent's yeah. not something Peter's going to grow up to be great at. Margaret, huh. in a number huh. of ways, he's not. That's not a strong suit of his. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. His, I'm now his other strengths. He he. I mean, he does have other strengths. Uh, we can debate whether or not they're good ones. Mm -hmm. So Peter spends very little time working for anybody else in his life. He returns to Winnipeg right after graduating. Uh, He gets hired by the T. Eaton's company, which one of his websites describes as, quote, the premier and most sophisticated department store chain in North America. I have no way to to judge those claims. Um, There's like three of them, and they had like a Yeah, yeah, it's one some weird little Canadian, like, I, I haven't yeah. heard of T Eaton's. It sounds like it's a, it's like the Tim Hortons of clothing. Um, anyway, uh, he was part of their young executive program, and Peter is very careful to let us know that, quote, he worked side by side with the Eaton brothers and was identified by the Eaton family and their executive management team as having the potential to eventually run the entire Eaton's operation. But he doesn't do that, Margaret. He doesn't do that. And we don't no? really know why. Although it's possible he's just lying about this and he wasn't really very good at that job. We have absolutely no way of... I mean, theoretically, if I was to make an article about him, I could try to track down people in the Eaton's management team. But they're all probably dead now because this was 1966. Yeah. Um. Anyway, in 1966... I want to know if he was really the most accomplished student at a school in all fields or whatever. He was probably the one who made the most money. I have not... I can't yeah, tell you off the top of my head and did not find in limited research a University of North Dakota graduate who I'm certain made more money than yeah. Peter Nigerd, so... He makes a lot of money. Okay. In 1967, he gathers up his life savings and receives an $8,000 loan to purchase a 20% stake in a woman's garment manufacturer called Nathan Jacobs. Now... Kind of unclear to me whether the loan came from a bank or his family. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nygaard does not specify on any of the defunct websites I found, and I haven't really found clarity anywhere else. Um, It's noted in several sources that he quickly came to own the business outright. On one of his websites, Nygaard says... The speed with which Nygard claimed his number one position in the industry is attributed to the uniqueness of his business decisions and his work ethic that includes 14 to 16 hour days, seven days a week. But then, as Nygard says, the only time you are working is when you wish you were doing something else. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be good
6: when we have our podcasting seminars. I feel like that's Mm going to be a... That's right. That's going to be a a nugget of wisdom. You all got that for
5: free. Yeah, you got that for free. But if you... I mean, honestly... I do feel like we should get a collections agency to just go around and crack a couple of kneecaps of some listeners until they pay up. Because that yeah, just, was worth just, just $350? You feel like that's a three fifty, Margaret? Yeah, I think so. As long as it's okay. enough people. Well ten, ten people. Yeah. At least ten of you better send us some fucking cash or um it's it'll it'll be bad. That's a threat. That's a legally binding threat. That, that, that I'm party to somehow. That you, Cool Zone Media, Sophie, the iHeartRadio Radio Corporation, we're all all making it anyway. On one of his personal websites, Nygard describes this process differently. Rather than buying in to own part of a company, he was quote recruited to become an equity partner, which makes it sound more like the company brought him on to buy them out. Mm -hmm. He makes sure to let you know that he was recruited, quote, despite having no direct knowledge or experience in the ladies apparel manufacturing industry. Do you think it was just like Uh, going out of business and they're like, fuck, 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 fuck? I kind of think it was. I kind of think that's what happened. He was not recruited. They thought they were pulling over one on over on him. Um, But that's not how things are going to work out, because this is the thing he's actually good at. Anyway, he gets enough money together one way or the other by hook or by crook over the next year or two, couple of years, to buy a majority stake in the business, which he renames from Jacobs to Tanjay Fashions. Um, Now, he would later market the products under his own name, Nygard, and eventually expand to produce products under tinned brand names. His clothing was sold in Nygard stores, but also in major department stores like Sears and Dillard's. Remember Sears and Dillard's? I remember
6: Sears. I feel like Dillard's yeah. missed me. I mean, I can picture it, but
5: yeah. If you want right today, if you want to encounter very large rats, find your nearest Dillard's and break in. Don't worry, mm-hmm. there's no security guards there. Yeah, um, there's no people there at all. It's 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 the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. A Dillard's in 2022.
6: Well, there's um, a rat who a has the
5: security guard uniform.
6: Like, you'll find yeah. the desiccated remains of a security guard with rats yeah. kind of filling out the uniform yeah. in a sort of body yeah. shape.
5: Yeah, they left him there when, mm-hmm. they, when they locked the doors from the outside. Yeah, and they said um, they'll be right back. Yeah, and now the rats inhabit his soul, um, yeah. but they don't know about cell phones, so they can't reach his family. He had a six-month-old child. I don't know why I'm making this so sad. One (laughs) early strength that helped Nygert expand beyond the bounds of the business he'd invested in was a focus on the growing field of information technology. Peter, and again, this is like the fucking 70s that this is all starting to come together, invested in software that linked manufacturing with a network of retail stores to keep them fully stocked. In 1978, Peter expanded his business from Canada to the United States. He did this by again investing in an existing company, a sportswear designer run by Nancy Ebker. She claims Peter came to her and agreed to split profits 50-50 and kick in $700,000 of her own money to finance the production of two new sportswear lines sold out of her showroom. According to Ebker, Nygard Smooth talked her out of putting any of this agreement down in writing. He complained that bringing lawyers into the situation would make everything a big mess, as soon as the deal closed, <laughs> Nygard fired Ebker from her own company and took over the offices. Cool. Um, yeah, he is—he is—he is a cool customer. I'm going to quote from a write-up in Forbes, and that's the worst thing he did. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah ebker is still fuming he literally ruined my life she says ebker claimed in court testimony that in their heated final conversation Nygard told her i have all your patterns i have everything i own everything i never intended to put anything in writing you have nothing and i am a millionaire damn that's, yeah that's straight up
6: um he's the one who
5: locked that guy into dillard's he's dead he did de- oh my god of course he did um why wouldn't he Let's try to reason, she interjected, to which Nygard responded, If you don't have $1 million by Friday, I'm going to see to it that your name and reputation are totally destroyed in this market. Um, just a cool guy. Now, Nygard tells the court a different story, saying the two had a calm conversation in which he suggested they amicably part ways. The judge found Ebker to be highly credible and deemed Nigard evasive, insincere, and utterly lacking in credibility. We deplore the unseemly conduct of Nigard, Judge Irving Cooper wrote, but ultimately ruled that Ebker failed to prove she was damaged by his actions. Nigard's <laughs> counterclaim was also dismissed. Ebker, who calls him a true villain of the world, is writing a book about the case. I don't think she ever did. If she did, I'll yeah. read it. Um, so his business takes off in the years that follow. Niiger hires his mom he brings his sister on a spokeswoman for the brand and he he's building this clothing building he's making is really tailor-made for middle-aged women this is not high fashion mm-hmm. I, I don't mean that as an insult but he's not he's not building this as like this is the Paris runway kind of stuff yeah this is like clothing for women from like 30 to 50 um, who have a couple of kids it's meant to be like uh, affordable have like a wide selection. And he's trying to both make it kind of something that's attractive to them, but also something that they feel good about buying from. So he makes sure that, like, his sister is the spokeswoman. He makes Mm -hmm. sure to bring his mom on so that he can talk about how well he treats his mom. Um, He emphasizes his annual $2 million donation to breast cancer research. Mm -hmm. Uh, He claims, makes big claims about having an ethical supply chain. Uh, Nygard's former website bragged as achievements to be the number one, the first manufacturer to have air-conditioned factories, um, and in The Real Peter he also claims, quote, Peter was always committed to the health and comfort of his associates. He was the first company in Canada to ban smoking by associates or visitors in the buildings or elsewhere on the premises. He created the first air-conditioned manufacturing <laughs> plant. Visitors? Yeah. That's well, a- he banned them from smoking. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. And he 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 created the first air-conditioned manufacturing plants, transforming the industry from sweatshops to fashion houses. Uh, uh-huh. This yeah. guy's fucking clever. Mm-hmm. Margaret, you want to guess if, if they weren't sweatshops anymore? Uh, was this his one lie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the only one. So um, we'll get to that in a second. Obviously, top reviews for Nigered clothing on Amazon include praise that their polyester pants are, quote, very comfortable and wash well. Um, so it gives you an idea of kind of like what people are looking for in these, mm-hmm. right? Like, I want something comfortable. I want something that's convenient. Like, I'm a busy mom, right? Like yeah, I, yeah. I, I, that, that That's like what this is angled at. Um, and it's a good strategy. In very short order, his clothing is in more than 30 states. 60% of his corporate revenue is soon coming from outside of Canada. And it spreads to other countries, too. It's not just the U.S. and Canada. It's all over the place. And as you might have guessed by now, the reality of Nigard Inc. labor practices did not quite match the rosy claims made by their old website. And oh. I'm going to quote from Forbes here in late april the national labor committee nlc a private group in pittsburgh issued a report claiming that nigard pants from its aliyah line were being sewn in a jordanian sweatshop the factory in alzarka the report says employed 1200 guest workers from sri lanka bangladesh and india who had quote been trafficked to jordan stripped of their passports Fuck. and held under conditions of indentured servitude Fuck. according to the investigation Women were forced to work 15-hour shifts seven days a week and were paid half the wages they were owed. A Nygert spokeswoman says that a government inquiry found no truth to the allegations. But since the report, the NLC says, factory conditions have improved significantly. Passports have been returned, and workers now get Fridays off. Wow, and they get their own passports back. That's progress. They get to keep their passports while yeah. they're working 15-hour days six days a week. Um, and six days a week? Cool. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's also, not as many days as there are in the week. That's not. That's not. That's a whole day they don't have to work. Yeah. Other cool fact, the factory is in Al-Zarqa, which is also the hometown of Abu Musab Al-Zarqawi, the founder of Al-Qaeda in Iraq, uh, which is kind of the group that immediately led to ISIS. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Cool guy. Yeah. Anyway, that has nothing to do with Peter Nigard well, It's just know, a neat little it. coincidence. It's just a fun... Well, yeah, or does it? <laughs> Did Peter Nygaard... Uh, create ISIS in order to sell more comfortable, easily washed polyester sweatpants. Did he? World will never know. There's no evidence that it didn't happen. Maybe. It's possible, but that's not a legally binding allegation. So, it gets worse. The one detail I did find on his website that actually surprised me was this tidbit. Nothing has made a bigger impact on the Canadian fashion industry than the NAFTA agreement, the seeds of this agreement were sown in 1982 when Peter Nigard wrote a strategic position paper to initiate free trade. This paper resulted in his appointment to chair in the Advisory Committee on Future Canadian Long-Term Industrial Strategy. From that committee grew Nigard's recommendation to negotiate a free trade agreement, FTA, first with the United States, which ultimately became the foundation agreement for Mexico's entry in DEC 92, known as the North American Free Trade Agreement, or NAFTA. Holy no other shit. person in the apparel industry has played a more significant role with the creation of NAFTA than Peter Nygard. Holy shit. Right? Yeah. Now,
6: okay, well that means the Zapatistas, we get the Zapatistas out of him. <laughs>
5: we do kind of get the Zapatistas out of him. Um, it's Now, obviously, this is a claim being made on his website. He right. thinks NAFTA One of his is personal good websites. and he is taking personal credit for making it. Okay. I think he is overselling his role here okay but he winds up on a couple joint canadian u.s like government panels like several a number over the years like a number of pretty significant positions that he holds like helping to carry out aspects of like what's going to become nafta so he's not entirely lying here either we're going to get into this in a bit but he is not an insignificant part of the creation or the establishment of nafta although he is a little bit overselling it here okay um, he's definitely one of the people in the apparel industry who's most involved in the creation of NAFTA. That's probably fair to say. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk about that and why that's not entirely a good thing. But first, Margaret, you know what people don't like about NAFTA? Uh, the fact
6: that it strips resources from developing nations to f- fuel the lifestyles of the wealthy that are destroying the earth. Exactly. You know
5: what doesn't do that? Potatoes? Potatoes don't. But let me let me paint a picture of you, Margaret. Okay. I want you to think about the Great Lakes. Superior, mm-hmm. the other ones, mm-hmm. shining out, beautiful, mm-hmm. surrounded by like basically Minnesota. Canada. Canada, which is the bad guy of this story? That's true. Now imagine, now imagine, mm-hmm. Margaret, a beautiful sheet of ICBMs coming down over the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. And instead of robbing poorer and low-income nations, mm-hmm. in order to finance the lifestyles of the rich and the famous, okay, okay. we irradiate fish in the Great Lakes to provide the world with fish that's huge. Because the fish whatever. are already cooked? Probably. Who knows what happens? I just think we should do it. Sophie, how are we, how we doing here?
3: I, I'm so tired mm-hmm. that I'm like... Let us uh, let me show you yeah. some
5: pamphlets while while the listeners check it. out these other ads. Okay. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash behind. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
2: Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health.
5: I think if the U.S. has 6,000 nuclear weapons, we can spare a handful. For, I'm uh, convinced the pamphlets had mm-hmm. lots of charts yep, and graphs did. and uh, warning labels that have been scratched <laughs> out, so they probably um, don't matter. They probably don't matter. And several times, I repeated the lyrics to The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald to yeah. remind you of all the brave men who died in those lakes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So i looked NAFTA. at your many personal websites and i found yes. I, <laughs> I have ha- hired to pe- have a lot of websites made. Yeah.
6: <laughs> i cross-referenced from one of your personal websites to the other and they all checked mm-hmm. out that's right that's what we call research that's yeah.
5: osent <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i uh you know people look sophie has driven a hard line that we have to stop the blue apron child island bit mm-hmm. um because it's it's just it's just creates so much work on the bleeping end mm-hmm. um and then when we don't bleep it people are like yes. is it real which is a question we've had to deal with a lot lately so now we're going to talk about nuking the great lakes for a couple of months and then i'll figure out something else because That's you, the way this- you
6: you believe mistakenly that if you go all of the producers and go more and more drastically mm-hmm. absurd that people
5: will stop believing you I, I do hope, because it'll be really funny, it'll be the end of life on this earth, but it'll mm-hmm. be really funny that like this bit ends with me being elected president in a landslide with a mandate to deploy nuclear weapons to the Great Lakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. we don't have uh, uh, Zero Mostel, so we will be won't hard to pull it. it off. But Anyway, back to NAFTA. Mm-hmm. Speaking of bad things, um, not bad things like Zero Mostel, he was rad. Didn't name names. Anyway, sorry, Jesus, this has gone off the rails a little bit. Let's talk about NAFTA. (laughs) So Peter Nigert, obviously, he's a narcissist. Take what he says about being like integral to the creation of nafta with a grain of salt but it's not an invented claim it's probably fair to say that nigard's strategic papers were less the inspiration for nafta than one of a number of people with influence who were pushing for trade liberalization to allow u.s and canadian companies to do their manufacturing overseas particularly in mexico Mm -hmm. i found a write-up by the maquila Uh, Solidarity Network, which is a Canadian organization promoting solidarity with laborers in places like Mexico and other parts of Central America to improve conditions and win a living wage for workers. Right at the beginning of NAFTA, they published a position paper analyzing the trade agreement and its likely impact on laborers. And the manufacturer they chose to highlight in order to analyze this was Nykert. Mm -hmm. So whatever he's saying and however much he kind of exaggerates things, this organization when they were like choosing to like look at a a a garment manufacturer to see what nafta was going to do in mexico they picked Nigert because he's it was a really big deal and he was a big part of it um is this like the the eighties? where where are we at timeline yeah this is this is like the late 80s i think when kind of this gets i can i can actually look this up um don't i'm just trying to figure out why
6: i've never heard of this brand before is it because i'm not canadian or is it because i only became a middle-aged lady more recently
5: yeah, I think the second might be a bigger, and, okay. and, and you're, you're not like a, a a suburban like mother of three, right. um, okay. which I think is primarily kind of who he was angled at. Okay. Um, but yeah, so obviously Makila is also a Canadian organization that may also be part of why they picked Nygard. but Nygard was one of the largest, I think at a, for a time, the largest garment manufacturer to invest in Mexican factories and kind of the first days of NAFTA. Um, The writers of that Makila Solidarity uh, Network paper did not consider this to have been a good thing, and they wrote, quote, From the research that has already been done on the ground, however, working conditions in areas where Nigrid has produced and is currently producing in Mexico are less than ideal. While management at the Mejelosa factory in Tehuacan, Mexico, insisted that they paid premium wages, workers disputed these statements. Low wages are a common complaint of garment workers in Tehuacan. Many are forced to work several jobs to meet their family's basic needs. It is not uncommon for children to work in smaller maquilas and workshops to complement the very low wages their parents are making. In Coahuila, where nigard is currently contracting work there are similar reports of low wages long hours and forced overtime since the signing of nafta union representation has decreased significantly in this region forced pregnancy testing and sexual harassment have also been reported further research needs to be done to document the working conditions at nigard-owned factories in guadalajara and Guernavaca, mexico in canada three of nigard's manitoba factories are certified by unite the north american garment and textile workers union during union drives in the 1980s at his plants, Peter Nigerd placed full-page ads in Winnipeg newspapers stating his anti-union position. At that time, the Manitoba Labor Board ruled that the company had committed unfair labor practices, including the refusal to deduct union dues, to allow the union access to the plant, and to pay into the union's retirement and health and welfare funds. Niggard was ordered to pay the union and illegally laid off employees $150,000 in money owed in fines. Um, so, yeah, he's cool. Do you ever, like...
6: Uh, is there ever a bastard who's like the shining prince of everything and then secretly has the like murder basement or is it always just these people where you're like, of
5: course, this person doesn't respect fucking anybody except it's like, I mean, we didn't portray it this way, but a lot of people, Georgia Tan, the woman who invented adoption by kidnapping a lot of babies, a whole bunch of people thought she was wonderful because she's yeah, okay. running these adoption centers and stuff, yeah. you know, um, So I should probably say a little bit about NAFTA here as well. We're not going to go a lot into NAFTA here because that's a subject that deserves more than just casual coverage on a podcast. Um, But it's fair to say that rather than inspiring NAFTA, Nygaard's primary contribution was to be one of the first guys to use the trade agreement to escape unionized labor and force workers to endure privation for the enhanced profit of his company. This pattern was repeated on a large scale by other businesses. I want to quote now from a write-up by sociology professor Robert Ross from Clark University. Uh, It is a long quote, but I think that it's necessary to do that here. On August 2nd, 1995, labor officials in the state of California raided a garment manufacturing shop 12 miles east of Los Angeles in the town of El Monte. The t- shop was located in what had appeared to be a residential condominium complex, but this one was surrounded by a barbed wire fence and a six-foot brick wall with metal spikes. Dangerous and unsanitary, the garment factory was worse than substandard. Its workers were virtual slaves. Held in the condominium complex were 72 laborers who were first to work as much as 17 hours a day, seven days a week for 160 an hour. <laughs> in some cases, the 67 women and 5 men worked up to 22 hours for as little as 50 cents an hour. Their wages varied, therefore, between about one-third and one-tenth of the U.S. legal minimum wage. The condominium was also a major fire hazard. There was no rear exit and only small windows with thick iron bars. A gang of eight smugglers had paid the workers' airfare from Thailand, promising them a brighter future in America. Upon their arrival, however, the new immigrants were forced into slave labor, working day and night to pay off their passage fees. The fees ranged from $4,800 to $25,000. They were also threatened with beatings, rape, and even death. Following the discovery, all 72 workers were arrested as illegal a- aliens held by federal immigration <laughs> officers. But conditions had been so bad, one of the women said. The day I was arrested, I was very happy. Budpa Rangmak, one of the people forced to stay at the compound, claimed that a year ago, two people who tried to escape were severely beaten and sent back to Thailand. He also stated that workers were frequently beaten in the compound to prevent escapes. Another worker from the El Monte sweatshop claimed that she was told it would take three years for her to pay off the $4,800 traveling fee. She was forced to pay $300 a month. According to federal officials, threats against the workers' children or family members in Thailand were used to make sure their parents continued sewing. Immigration officials had been aware of the El Monte operation for three years, but the local authorities acted only when they heard the testimony of a woman who escaped through a ventilation shaft just weeks before the raid. The eight Thai nationals who ran the ring and its businesses were convicted of harboring and transporting illegal immigrants, kidnapping, peonage, and other serious charges. A few weeks after the discovery, over a million dollars of their assets, including over $865,000 in cash, were distributed to the 72 workers found in El Monte and to 39 others who had worked in the Los Angeles installations controlled by the ring. The smuggler owners have been imprisoned. The illegal immigrants are due approximately $3.5 million in back pay and penalties. The labor and occupational safety agencies of the state of California asked for $550,000 in penalties from the sweatshop owners. Compensation has also been collected from the garment manufacturers who commissioned work from the the contractor. Major American retail chains which sold clothing made in the the slave sweatshop include Neiman Marcus, Montgomery Ward, and Sears. Stories such as these about the Thai slaves of El Monte, California symbolically represent one of the main tendencies of contemporary global capitalism, the tendency to level workers conditions down to or below a global standard more like that of today's most vulnerable third world workers than that of yesterday's organized workers in the developed industrial social order. This is the concrete meaning of the race to the bottom. While the Thai slaves represent the unusual worst case of the problems of labor in the apparel industry and in other low-wage industries in North America, the rise of the new sweatshops is widespread. One responsible estimate, often used by former Secretary of Labor Robert Reich, is that up to half the entire apparel workforce of the United States, potentially half a million workers, labor at below the legal minimum wage or without legally entitled premium pay for overtime hours. These workers also suffer unsafe and unsanitary conditions. Such conditions include as many as 50,000 workers in New York City and 70 to 90,000 in Los Angeles, the two largest centers of garment production in the country. The North American Free Trade Agreement, dissolving barriers to the movement of goods and capital between the United States, Mexico, and Canada, is, like the European Union and the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade, part of the project of global capital, and a very successful one. In 30 years, a new form of capitalism has been born out of the crisis of mid-century capitalism. The mid-century type of capitalism, known variously as Monopoly Capitalism, or later Fordism, was characteristically associated with the Keynesian welfare state, but many of the characteristic forms and achievements of that variant of capitalism have been superseded by a new one, Global Capitalism. This, then, is the context of NAFTA, a world project of capitalism to dissolve barriers to investment and to lower costs of production entailing ipso facto a systemic attack upon and loss of working class power and social protections in the older industrial nations. Yet, paradoxically, the same world context makes more concrete than ever the rewards of solidarity and the necessity of internationalism. Anyway, I mean, it was a long one. It, mm-hmm. it talks about the necessity of something. Uh,
6: mm hmm. Like when I probably a couple of things. When I think about the compensation those people are deserved, I yeah. I I mostly think about like I don't know
5: ears (laughs) and like (laughs) pieces pieces of bodies. Yes. Um. But it is like this is this is the thing that Nygard was a was a huge part of, and we can tell from the way he treated his workers in Canada and the way he treated his workers in Mexico. This was exactly what he wanted to happen. Like he saw he was one of a number of people not to put too much credit on this guy, but mm-hmm. he saw the people who made his products as a barrier to his profits. And before NAFTA happened, he was working to do what he could to ensure that they could not cut into his profits. And he backed NAFTA and took advantage of it as soon as it happened in order to cut the ability of other people to make money off of the company that he owned, right? Like that yeah. was the thing, the people who made the products. He he he. Wanted, he was willing to... You know, force him to take pregnancy tests, beat them, um, lock them up for days on end, take their fucking passports, whatever it takes to make sure that, like, he gets every dime he possibly can yeah. out of that. Anyway. Which I'm sure he used hey. for good and noble purpose. Like, I just, I can't even... Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what we're about to talk about. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, what he does with all the money he makes doing this. Good. Um... So, uh, in 1987, Peter purchased land in the Bahamas, where he soon began construction on a sprawling estate. We will discuss this later, um, but in 2003, an American couple sued him in Florida for allegedly tricking them into accepting jobs managing this estate. They further claimed that (laughs) Nygert ignored Bahamian immigration laws and failed to obtain work permits for employees, which you may notice is something of a pattern for him. And he just borrowed their passports as soon as they're there. Yeah. You're going to need to give me those. I'll make sure you don't lose them. Yeah. Now, they also allege that he fined workers for petty infractions, which Nygard conceded to doing during a court case. He claimed this was done in cases of, quote, lateness and poor quality work. Such penalties, under law, are only allowed to be deducted from quarterly bonuses, but Nygard illegally deducted them from weekly pay. Forbes writes, $25 fines were common for such offenses as leaving a dirty glass on a beach cabana, not having Nygard's room cool enough when he arrived, and for the presence of houseflies in the Grand Hall. Executives at Nygard corporate offices lived under a similar threat of penalties. For example, the employment contract of Norman Neal, a former vice president, advised that after receiving full indoctrination, including so-called basic policy framework training, he would be subject to a fine equal to 5% of his bonus for violations of company policies. Neal was fired, and he later sued for breach of employment contract. Nygard countersued, and the case was settled. So this is just kind of the way this guy rolls. And it is, I yeah. guess, interesting that he treats his VPs kind of the same way. Um, that but That's honestly the
6: most surprising thing so yeah. far. Yeah, Like, you'd think... I mean, maybe it's just, like, all of the Hollywood indoctrination about, like, even the evil capitalist rich people with their house on the beach are, like, yeah. really into, like, seeming really cool to the people who are around them, including, like, the higher-up people who work for them yeah. or whatever. Like, no, yeah. this guy is...
5: it's it's amazing. It's, it's, um, yeah, he's comprehensively a piece of shit. Yeah. Now there's more things we could say about Peter's treatment of his employees, but I think we have now covered the most consequential cruelties. So it's probably time to discuss the primary group of people outside of laborers that he targeted for horrific cruelty, which was any young woman who happened to be anywhere near his orbit. Yeah. Often the employees he abused were women, uh, obviously as this excerpt from the New York times makes clear a 1980 news article described an area of his office in Winnipeg, the city in Manitoba where he built his company as a passion pit with a mirrored ceiling and a couch that transformed into a bed at the push of a button. This is his office in Winnipeg. Um <laughs> If anyone calls your boss's office a passion pit, it's time that's not a place. That's not a good place. No, don't place. go, don't go to the That's passion not a good place. Yeah. Don't go to the pat. Don't go to anything called the Passion Pit, unless it's like a like a juice restaurant. That, that focuses on passion fruit and like peaches a lot, yeah. then I guess it might be okay. Or like a kind of, if you're
6: into the kind of sleazy swinger club, that would we call itself the Passion okay. Pit. Obviously. No no look, judgment.
5: Look, if there's, if there's like a dirty bar in an industrial part of Philly that promises key parties and like 65 cent rum and Cokes and it's called the Passion Pit, of course I'm going yeah. to go there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's just a good time. Yeah. Um, that's just a good time, and then a number of doctor visits afterwards. Yeah, but, so, you know, most of that uh, stuff's... Anyway. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, they got fucking things now. Yeah. So, uh, boy, I shouldn't lead directly from that to this next I, paragraph. I, so, you I, know I, what we're I, gonna yep. do, Margaret? Um, is we're gonna roll the ads and just try to let, yeah. let a little bit of capitalism cleanse our palates. This is our palate cleanser. <laughs> little... Little, little bit of an I ad was break. About to little say, dabble off down like to the old spot shopping for a villa. Pause. N- woo! It's all bad except for these ads. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table.
2: I want to be remembered
1: for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
2: Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
0: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
4: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
5: Oh, we're back. It's all bad. (laughs) Over the years, Peter Nygard was repeatedly accused of demanding that female employees satisfy him sexually. (laughs) Uh, There were at least nine women in Winnipeg and Los Angeles who accused him of uh, sexual harassment or or assault. Um, The New York Times spoke to 10 other women who said that he had proposed sex, touched them inappropriately, or raped them. Um, since he sold fashion for women, Peter worked hard for decades to maintain the image of an eccentric playboy, but one who was basically good at heart, right? Mm -hmm. He would dress ostentatiously. He would have this, like he was always photographed with models and stuff. And there's even photos of like his passion pit and his like living room and stuff and all of his fancy things. But his whole attitude was that like, well, yeah, I'm a little bit of a playboy, but look, you know, my mom and my sister helped me run the company. Like I'm a good guy Mm -hmm. at heart. I just like to, um... Anyway, uh, when he wrote about his one brief marriage to a model in the 1970s, he refused to name her and claimed that she had left him after three years because, quote, I worked too hard. Which is, again, you see what he's doing here is he's like, look, yeah, I had a marriage breakup. It's because I worked too yeah. hard. But like, that's not doesn't mean I'm a bad guy. You know, I just am. Yeah. is What I do. Yeah. Um, it's 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 it worked for a while. In other interviews, Nygard would bemoan that he had given up on the concept of marriage. He claimed that in his youth, it had been about finding a partner you wanted to stay with for life. Quote, it doesn't mean that anymore, he said, claiming he was disillusioned about what marriage has turned out to be. People aren't necessarily happier when they get married. I think you can be a very good partner to someone if you have to earn that partnership every day, rather than be legally bound to do it. Um, so another good this, quote th- from him. <laughs> yeah, that sound, that's like fine, yeah. like, but that's not what he does. Yeah. Um, yeah. That is very much not what he does. Um, it certainly does not gel with the picture of the man's relationship styles painted by this Forbes profile. Quote, Nygren went on to have seven children with four different women. Karina Paka, and it eventually gets up to 10 kids. Mm-hmm. Karina Paca, a former stewardess, fought him for years in Ontario courts for child support for their then teenage son. Nigrid argued the amount she sought was excessive and would destroy the child's work ethic, oh ethic my and give him a case of affluenza. I know, right? What a what a cool oh guy. Um, yeah, he's just such a sleazeball. Yeah. Um, but it works really well. He's making fucking bank. He's like one of the biggest names in fashion. Allegations of sexual harassment in the workplace have flittered out around Peter for most of his career. We know that in 1980, uh, the Winnipeg Free Press reported that he'd been charged with the rape of an 18 year old girl by local authorities. Those charges were dropped when the complainant refused to testify. I'll give you some guesses as to why. Yeah. Nygard claimed the police had used poor judgment in investigating the case. He told the Free Press that he planned to finance the creation of a foundation to improve the Canadian judicial system. Never happened. <laughs> Look, I want to fix this. We all want to get to the bottom of this problem, right? Yeah, the problem they're going around <laughs> investigating us poor, innocent yeah, men. Yeah, yeah. poor, innocent, multi-millionaires with, at this point, 20 or 30 sexual assault and rape allegations yeah. against them. A CBC investigation in the late 2000 teens found, Forbes says, dredged up claims by former employees that he'd abused. In the 1990s, it's alleged, Nigard paid to have three sexual harassment complaints settled through the Manitoba Human Rights Commission. Since the cases did not go to court no records exist about what these cases were about but the winnipeg free press published articles about the complaints one was from a 27 year old travel coordinator who claimed she repeatedly brushed off nigard's touches and sexual advances another claims nigard added skinny dipping to the agenda of a business meeting business events were often held on his bahamanian compound where nigard would according to one employee frequently grab himself while wearing a small bathing suit suit she complained. I would find him in a state of undress, pants open, no shirt, or with his hand down the front of his pants, fondling himself. This guy's really no. subtle. That's his. Yeah, email. he's. Uh, you, you will see a picture. You know what, Sophie? It's time to show Margaret a picture of oh, Peter Niger. Does this count? It's, as it's time an for Margaret word, to see please. this man. Yes. <laughs> this this violates. Actually, all of us have 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 grounds oh. to sue now. Sue him for his photo. Uh,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to decide which I I'm yeah, just going to I'm just going to go to Google images.
5: He's he looks incredible. And then
3: just share my screen cuz I can't I can't pick one.
5: Look, <laughs> like ethically I can't suggest that like people oh, get Margaret, charged with sexual again, harassment so just sorry. based on their physical appearance, but if you were going Whoa. to do it, Peter Nygard would be the guy. He looks like how Trump thinks he looks yes yes that's exactly how he looks and he has the he his hair is fucking amazing yeah no like um (laughs) he he's got the like
6: silver fox thing down but in a like creep ass way
5: yeah like you could you yeah he he wears we'll talk about the v-necks in a little bit he wears like really deep he is kind he he was jacked at one point um, oh, this picture is amazing. Yeah. He's photoshopped. But shirt. he he did he was he was yeah. muscular Not, at one what point. I I villain. Yeah. He does look like he he looks like the bad guy from a Paul Verhoeven movie. Like he looks like someone RoboCop would shoot yeah. at like the at like the hour and twenty five minute mark. Or the androids um, will hold over and be like, I want more life. Yeah, yeah. The androids will accuse him of yeah. sexual assault credibly. Um he's he's
3: He does also look, and this is very inside baseball for people who live in Los Angeles. I'm sorry, Angeles, is that the man's name? Very Dallas similar Raines? to the weatherman that rules. Dallas Reigns. I want that
6: guy to be Angeles. good in every way.
5: Because yeah. if so, he yeah. rules yeah. for having yeah. that name. Yeah. And no shade I'm a big nominative Raines. determinalist, so I can't imagine he's bad. <laughs> but Okay, okay. No, oh, see, he looks but, nice. Uh, Peter Nygard. Peter this Nygard, he looks rich in all of his photos, but also like he would leave a film he's, if no, he no, no, sat in your car. He's the yeah. good version, like you would have to scrub it, and not just with like a spray bottle and a little bit of like like a paper towel. Like you'd need to actually get like one of those green scrubby mm-hmm. things to really get in there, because it's gonna get in the crevices, the Nygard goo. So, when the free press reached out for comment on uh, the 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 case of him. F- f- pulling down the pant, fondling himself in front of an employee, Nygard threatened a defamation suit against the paper, the reporter and another employee. In 1996, he was accused of rape again by a Los Angeles employee who he later fired. Uh, uh-huh. The case was eventually dismissed. Now, none of these allegations, again, this is the 80s through the 90s, that none of these allegations do more than cause mild talk, right? Like, this does not harm him in any way. There's not A lot of way to search things on the internet. So unless you're really paying attention to his life, it's not something you're going to just like drum up the fact that there's these stories in fucking Canada about him. Yeah. Um, So Nygard got to live a life of opulence and semi-glamour. He co-hosted an annual Oscar party in Los Angeles, which he billed as the Night of a Thousand Stars. Actual Hollywood in-crowd people knew it as the night of a thousand has-beens, because no one but B-listers tended to show up. It was at one of these parties that he met... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a real Hollywood burn. And again, the people burning in here are probably the people using Epstein as, like, uh, a
3: fucking
5: uh, uh, pimp. So, let's not... Yeah. Anyway, it's at one of these parties that he met Anna Nicole Smith, who he dated from 1998 to 2001. Uh, after she died of an overdose in 2007, he went on Montel Williams to claim that he'd tried to get her off drugs, which, uh based on some things we'll talk about in a bit, I don't think is likely. come on. It's very sad. It's a real bummer, real bummer. Uh, Now, he had a private plane where he did the normal rich guy stuff. He put a bar in there. He put stripper poles and a bed in there. And like, look, you've got a private jet, which you shouldn't, but of course, you're going to do some like wacky ass seventy yeah. shit like that. Although it is worth noting, he's doing this in like the 80s and 90s. Um, this is all, anyway, whatever. It's like wood panels, uh, least, like, a, like plush yeah, in a van. Yeah. It's like Led Zeppelin shit. Yeah. Um, in at least one instance, Nygard's 17-year-old girlfriend was filmed dancing on one of the poles. So, again, epstein We're not yet getting into the stuff oh. that's... Yeah, but we're starting to get into the Epstein stuff, right? Mm. Flying around children on your your sex plane. That's 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 Epstein territory. We're in there. You know, we're we're running deep. We've yeah. made a first down. That's a basketball term, right, Sophie? Moving right along. Um I'm going to quote from Forbes here. A former stewardess on his private plane told of one incident in which Nigerd was accompanied by a bevy of topless women. At one point mid-flight, she recalls, Nigerd, wild-haired and with his bathrobe open, began berating her coworker, yelling, You are nothing. You are garbage. When the stewardess tried to calm him down, he screamed, I am God! Do you not understand? <laughs> Even after the security director intervened, she claims, Nigerd continued to rage, shouting, This is my plane! I can do whatever the hell I want! uh that's that's the way the rules work cool guy cool guy i mean they do for him for like decades so that's why he feels that way he's not like making he hasn't like invented this out of pure like that would normally be evidence of delusion but for decades that's the way the world works for peter yeah like not that that's good but that is the way the world works for him because he gets away with all this for an extremely long time also i should note for legal purposes he denies that story above um. although I don't think he'll be suing us anytime soon because of where he's located by oh, far Peter's happy. most beloved <laughs> possession yes yeah Um. by far Peter's most beloved possession and the center of his image as a carefree playboy fuck monster was Nigard Cay a chunk of the coastline of New Providence which is in the Bahamas that he renamed after himself the compound was Mayan themed and it had the look of a tropical temple city I described a- the built Mm-hmm. No,
6: just I yeah. just uh, that that yeah. we just I I have nothing to add to that, but that stands for its
5: own. It does say a lot, right? When you have built your own Mayan temple city to yourself in the Bahamas. Yeah, some, like, sovereign Um, country that you've just bought and ignored all the rules of. Uh, Yeah. Um, I would describe the build quality, based on what I can see, as, like, Disney World quality. mm -hmm. Like, it looks like it was, it looked pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. The Mayan temples didn't look bad. Uh, The Grand Hall was 32,000 square feet with a 100,000-pound glass ceiling. Uh, Nigrid K was featured on Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous. It hosted celebrities like Oprah, who claimed, I'm not living large enough after seeing it. For years, yeah, yeah, there you go. Of course. Oprah, constantly like a little D level villain in All like right. seven or eight okay. of our episodes. a okay, little okay, thread Oprah. that moves through it. Yeah. Just a little thread, just like, hmm, what's going on with her? She kind of seems like she might be up to some evil stuff, but also everyone loves her. Um, fun stuff. Anyway. For years, the compound was one of the most infamous examples of wealthy excess on the planet. I wanna play a clip for you, Margaret, from a 2004 show called Life of Luxury. Now, the woman you're gonna hear talking first is Bianca Nygard, who's his daughter, and at this point is the chief of operations for his compound. Hi, welcome to Nygard Key. We have anything you could possibly imagine. Trampoline out on the water, tennis courts, basketball court, beach volleyball, pool volleyball. Every Sunday we have a pamper party with manicures and pedicures and massages for our guests.
0: This hideaway of hedonism boasts 150,000 square foot wonderland of excess. The ocean, the water slide, there's even a human aquarium.
6: That's not creepy. Ready to
0: pack your bags? Sorry, mm-hmm. this slice of heaven ain't for rent. It's the private utopian bachelor pad of this man, Canada's clothing magnet, Peter Nygaard, and entry is by invitation only. Personally, I enjoy
5: the luxury best when I have friends here with which to share it.
0: It certainly <laughs> is big enough, with its twenty-two bedrooms built without walls.
5: <laughs> so that last bit's a little creepy right <laughs> 20 built without walls yeah. <laughs> built without walls huh <laughs> and the
6: human aquarium that there's a shot the where human aquarium, aquarium. It's not like yeah a, it's a gross tank in a dark it is room a gross tank with a person yeah. in a bikini
5: in it it is pretty fucking pretty fucking gnarly and we have not really started into the gross stuff. We've started into the gross yeah, stuff, but I it am. gets a lot worse from no, here on out. Now. now, you're not going to be surprised to learn that a lot of those so-called friends that he likes to share his compound with, the ones who were not celebrities, mm-hmm. were extremely young women. Some of them were children. Uh, a lot of them were children um, who were trafficked, Ooh. sometimes allegedly against their will, and systemically abu- systematically abused by Peter Nygard. We're going to tell that story, and we're going to tell you a lot more. In part two, but Margaret, uh-huh. if you had a tens of millions of dollars compound based off of the stolen artistic style mm-hmm. of a, a, a Central American civilization on a Bahamanian island where you committed a raft of felonies, mm-hmm. what would it be and what would the felonies be? Well, the felonies is that people like that would be in the aquarium Um,
6: and they would be in there for just long enough to before we lift them out again it's just kind of a perpetual dunking tank (laughs) and anyone who comes uh, can can dunk them in um that is that is what i would uh build yeah
5: yeah, I think I would do like a Cahokia mound, but cool. the mound is just a mass grave of guys like that. <laughs> My throne of bastard skulls. Yeah. yeah. I th- I think the I think the people of the Cahokia mounds would be okay with that. Um anyway, uh Margaret, you got that's that's all for part 1. Uh-huh. You got anything to plug? Uh well after that, enjoyable
6: uh, yeah, I have a book that is probably out by the time you hear this called "We Won't Be Here Tomorrow," uh, which includes such stories as people programming drones to murder people, like we're discussing on the show, mm-hmm. in a fictional setting. Yeah, hey! because it's fiction. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that book is out. And I also am a host of a podcast called "Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff," where you can hear um, banger things that.
5: Are sort of like this, no. um, Margaret. Yeah, banger. We won't be here tomorrow, but we will be back on Thursday oh, with part two. Well done. I just thought of that one. Yeah. Also, I have a book called After the Revolution. Wow. You can find it if you just Google that. And AK Press or AK Press has a bunch of indie bookstores you can order yes, from. Yes, you do. You can also get it from all of the regular bookstores. It's it's all over the place. Just type the the words in, and you'll find it. All right, everybody. All right, Margaret. All right. All right, Sophie. Off we go to Nygaard Key. But like in an IRA off to war kind of way.
6: Yeah, there there we (laughs) go.
3: (laughs) No. Behind the Bastards is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com. Or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Visit LiveNation.com slash to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
5: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy.